0: Thanks for tuning in. This is Kevin Conover. I'm your host on Educate for Life Radio, and we are broadcasting down here in Southern California, 12 1210 AM, as well as uh, FM 106.1 in North County. And we're also live streaming on social media. And uh, we've also got an archive of all kinds of programs that would be useful to you. If you're interested in a biblical perspective on all the different issues that we're dealing with in our culture today, as well as getting a better grip on your faith. So if you're interested in subjects like science and faith, creation and evolution, if you're interested in world religions and why do we know that Christianity is true as opposed to things like Mm -hmm. Buddhism or Islam or atheism or whatever it might be. um, We have all kinds of classes on educateforlife.org that you can check out that will help to um, help you have a firm foundation for your faith. Uh, one of the things I really experienced growing up in high school and a public school that I went to was a constant conflict with different worldviews. And so that started me down the road to know why I believe what I believe. And so I've developed 40 online classes that are available for you, broken up into 10, four different 10 series classes to help you have a firm biblical worldview. You can check that out on educateforlife.org as well as many radio programs with experts from all over the world talking about how God has worked in their life and then how they're now doing their best to go out and impact the world for Christ and uh, love God and love people. And uh, today we've got uh, our guest, Mark Schneider. And let me tell you a a little bit about him. Um, Mark is a native Californian and uh, for good or for good or for uh, bad, right? Um, He spent most of his career in Silicon Valley serving as a corporate counsel and in executive positions at technology companies uh, before going into practical uh, private practice as a patent litigator. And um, what charged him up or got him involved in in, um, being salt and light to the community around him was what happened with Proposition 8. If you were around during that time, you know that was a very, very uh, intense situation in California where they were battling over same-sex marriage. 70% of Californians voted to keep marriage as one man and one woman, but um, through a variety of circumstances that ended up falling apart. And uh, Mark founded a salt and light ministry. Uh, His background is he has a Bachelor of Science in Electrical and Electronics Engineering from California Polytechnic University and a Juris Doctorate from Trinity Law School. And uh, Mark, thanks so much for being on the program today. Kevin, it's so good to be on your program. Thank you for hosting us. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to me because, um, you know, your background doesn't necessarily lend itself to an immediate uh, interest in, you know, something like getting involved with uh, dialoguing and debating over critical race theory or dealing (laughs) with with H.R. 5 and the Equality Act and these sorts of things. But um, sometimes uh, God calls us out of what we're doing and says, I want you to be involved in making a difference here. Give us your background. How did you end up starting Protect Our Kids Now and uh, what happened there?
1: Well, yeah, thank you for the introduction. Uh, Well, it was really a result of being involved in the Salt and Light Ministry at the local church that I attend. And I started the Salt and Light Ministry, as you mentioned, uh, during around the time when Proposition 8, which was the battle in California to retain traditional marriage between one man and one woman. And so we just decided uh, as a result of that fight that we needed to start a formal group around being uh, identifying as being salt and light in the culture as, as believers. So that ministry that ministry took off um, around 2008. And during that time, and as a result of that ministry, we just kept abreast and, and kept learning about the laws that were being passed in California that were undermining not only our culture, but even more ominously, Kevin, are children in the public school system. And uh, it didn't take a lot of investigation to find out that this is not a recent thing. It actually goes back to uh, 1999 in the the Gray Davis administration. Mm. And uh, it started there where where teachers were allowed to proclaim their LGBT status in the classroom. Um, a, A few years later in 2004, Arnold Schwarzenegger, was, as you know, was a Republican. Um, our education code was changed to change the definition of gender to be one's perceived gender rather rather than one's biological sex Um, it wasn't many years after that that sb 48 was passed which required uh, students to learn to admire the contributions specifically of LGBT people who identify with the LGBT community. And that was followed, I think, in uh, 2014 by the famous bathroom bill, Assembly Bill 1266, which opened up our locker rooms, kids' bathrooms, uh, to children who identified with the opposite sex. And all these culminated. And what we now know is Assembly Bill 329 or the California Healthy Youth Act, which requires that comprehensive sexuality education be taught uh, starting in middle school all the way through 12th grade, but it may also be taught in many public schools are starting in kindergarten. So we just became incensed um, with the threats uh, to our children. And around that same time, um, I started uh, finding out about other grassroots organizations that had just started up. Um, and that's when George, Pastor George Rosca, and myself became close friends. And we decided together that we needed to start a formal organization, which we now call Protect Our Kids, to alert, to educate and alert parents as to the dangers to their children in the public school system. So we, we started about two years ago, um, before the, the virus locked it down. We had put on 13 conferences across the state of California. Some of them were you know maybe a few hundred people, others drew well over a thousand. Um, we've hosted videos, we write papers, we have a blog post, we have a very robust website. And um, so that's, that's kind of the short history of how Protect Our Kids came
0: about that's fantastic and i know um, salt and light ministries uh i believe that was actually started down here in southern california uh and uh, now they're all over the country uh if you're listening and you have a passion for being salt and light obviously that's drawn from scriptures where christ is asking us um, to be salt and light to the world um that's an opportunity you can look into uh all you have to do is look that up and um, you can actually start your own chapter of that that ministry. And um, so, Mark, uh, you know, with all the changes that are happening, sometimes uh, I think uh, people uh, feel a little bit overwhelmed, you know, uh, with dealing with all these different issues. And now we've got the Equality Act coming up here. Um, Give us the background on the Equality Act and why that's such a why it's such a danger um, to Christians and to religious freedom and so forth.
1: Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Well, the Equality Act has been around in some form for about over 20 years, I think. Um, But it has been consistently denied in the Congress by virtue of the fact that it is so radical. This is probably the most pernicious piece of legislation uh, in American history. Um, I was shocked in 2015 when the Obergefell case was passed that legitimized uh, and federalized same-sex marriage a- a- across, the, uh, across the nation. This is even worse than the Obergefell decision. In effect, it would uh, change the social contract that Americans have with each other and that they have with their gender, and what they have with their- with their government. In essence, it changes the definition of sex or includes um, in the definition of sex, sexual orientation and gender identity across the panoply of all our civil rights laws. So, in the in the Bostock versus Clayton County decision that happened under ironically, that decision was written by Neil Gorsuch, Justice Neil Gorsuch, an ostensible conservative on the court. Yeah. And and that ended that ended sex discrimination based on sexual orientation, gender identity in employment law. But the Equality Act would take this a huge step forward
0: and basically write it into all our civil rights laws. So I have two questions here, uh, Mark, about this. My first question is, you know, Neil Gorsuch, like you said, he's a conservative judge. Um, so w- why would he do this? What what's going through? What was the argument that persuaded him that this was something that needed to happen in employment law? That all of a sudden, uh, we are now protecting the idea that a man can perceive himself as a woman. What happened there?
1: Well, it's hard to get into somebody's head and and, uh, try to figure out what they were thinking when they came to these rationalizations, but uh, Judge Gorsuch uh, fancies himself as a textualist. So he looked at the word sex, and uh, it's a very convoluted and complicated reasoning, but if you read the decision that he actually wrote, In that word, he said, well, sexual sexual orientation is involved with sex, right? It's it's attached to the word sex, as is gender identity. And it was pretty much as simple as that. And he put together some thought experiments, which which led him to the conclusion that we needed to include this in the definition of sex. But there's a part of me, Kevin, that really believes that because he was so new on the bench. And this was one of the first decisions, if not the first decision that he actually authored in the opinion that he wanted to character, characterize himself as not a rigid conservative. Mm-hmm. He wanted to bend over to be seen as uh, sort of even handed on the court. So that's just my uh, my perception. I can't, I can't know for sure, but that's how the decision reads
0: yeah i just find that uh, astonishing because what essentially you're saying right now what hr uh hr5 does is it actually takes it just from the workplace and it essentially establishes it as as almost a reality it's like saying we're changing what reality is for everybody the the law now revolves around the idea that a person's perception of reality takes precedence over what is actual reality is that? Am I
1: hearing that right? Well, that's that's completely fair. In fact, it's a repudiation of reality itself, a complete distortion of reality, and this bill would implement it throughout society. I mean, it, it you know, it, it's going to be law in all public accommodations. So we're talking about any institution that provides goods and services, or programs. Now, what kinds of institutions besides stores and retail outlets and corporations provide programs? Well, certainly churches do and community centers and charities and foster agencies and adoption agencies all provide programs. So they would have to abide by this law as would public education, um, anything that receives uh, federal funding, employment law, housing, juries, the, the list is endless. This would sweep the nation. And it's not only the SOGI that is being um, involved in the definition of sex, but the word sex itself now is taken on new meaning in the law. It's actually defined as sex stereotypes, pregnancy, childbirth, or other related conditions. That's what the meaning of sex is now in this, in this new law.
0: Yeah. and this is a this is a typical tactic of um, if you want to call it, of either the devil or or anybody who wants to confuse the issues and uh, win an argument I I you know when when kids will often do this you know they'll change the subject in order to try to get their way and in logic it's called equivocation where you start changing the definition of words to essentially confuse the issue That's but right. um, I want to share with our listeners you know uh, you probably are familiar that this is not a hypothetical um, in Philadelphia, they actually shut down a Catholic social services uh, charity that was uh, placing foster children because they would not redefine, um, they would not uh, uh, allow uh, same sex couples to adopt children. And in the same way, what's happening here is as a religious organization, if you don't agree, if you don't kowtow uh, down to uh, HR five, um, you have the ability, you have the potential to be fined, to lose rights to, and, and like he, uh, Mark is saying, this isn't just in the, the workplace anymore, this is, this is everywhere, because this is taking it, I mean, Mark, we live in California, so for us, uh, this is already a reality in California, we already have essentially a HR5, but this is now taking it to a, a federal level that it applies everywhere.
1: That's right, Kevin. And the other things that your viewers should know about is that um, the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act, which was uh, it became law in 1993, and it was actually sponsored by Chuck Schumer, of all, of all people. And that law passed unanimously in the House of Representatives, it won overwhelmingly. And the, the RFRA was to preserve the rights of our First Amendment regarding the free exercise provision. It brought back the government's need to come up with a compelling reason that is narrowly tailored if they're going to infringe upon someone's religious rights of free exercise. Well, the Equality Act specifically disclaims RIFRA as a defense against its provisions. So if you're a church, um, if you're a place of employment, and you have biblical policies on the books that you want to uh, abide by, you cannot use RIFRA as a defense against this law. So this is particularly onerous.
0: That's bizarre because, I mean, RIFRA actually speaks indirect contradiction to H.R. Uh, 5. How, how can you say, okay, you guys can make your case against uh, what we're saying, but not with this uh, law that's already been passed over here, right? I mean, that's, that's bizarre.
1: Well, it's ironic that RIFRA even needed to be passed. I mean, this was 1993. We already have a First Amendment, you know, RFRA is not part of the Constitution. The First Amendment is. In fact, it's a first among equals uh, among our Bill of Rights. Nevertheless, it had been attacked year over year after year. And ironically, Kevin, um, the need for RIFRA came about um, because of an opinion regarding Oregon versus Smith. Um, that Justice Alito actually wrote the opinion on, much to our chagrin, where he ruled that any law of general applicability overrules the First Amendment rights of free exercise. So RIFRA was an attempt, um, aside from writing a constitutional amendment, to bring back a sane approach to preserving people's freedoms. But it's, it's a statute on the books, and if the Equality Act is passed, then no one could claim RIFRA as a defense to uh, to the Equality Act's claims.
0: Whoa, that you know um, what you just said there. I've never heard that before. Um, can you repeat that? What you talked about with uh, Justice Delito and what uh, why there was a need to even have RIFRA passed regarding the First Amendment?
1: Yeah, it goes back to employment law of Oregon versus Smith, and this was this was a case. Um, uh, I can't remember the specifics of the case, but the ruling basically said that any law that is passed that has general applicability, in other words, it doesn't just affect the free exercise or religious rights, but it affects everybody under the law and it had to do with employment. um, Then the First Amendment is really no defense against that. This, the law has to be um, implemented. So Rifra and that's caused all kinds of problems
0: over the years. Well, that's bizarre. They're they're essentially saying that in some circumstances, you can't claim the First Amendment. That's exactly right.
1: Yeah. The free exercise clause specifically.
0: Yeah. The free exercise of of religion and so forth. So what what um, under what circumstances would would that have been the case?
1: Well, any, anything, to, uh, employment law is a great example. So, if you're writing a, uh, an employment law like the Equality Act, where you're uh, disclaiming discrimination based on sexual orientation, and, and, and if it affects a church, and a, a church has uh, biblical policies for hiring, for people that are working for it, uh, for not uh, performing same sex marriages. Um, if it's seen as a law of general applicability, you can imagine that a liberal court would say, no, um, we have um, uh, our our opinion in the Smith case, therefore uh, you're not going to be able to preserve your biblical rights in this instance. So Riffer going back to 1993 was an attempt to bring back um, what what the old thinking was regarding the First Amendment. there are some occasions where the government might need to step in and curtail constitutional rights but in order to do so it had to have a very compelling interest and the remedy had to be very narrowly tailored to accomplish what the government was trying to do it's called strict scrutiny and it's the highest uh, protection that uh, the people have to preserve their constitutional rights well the smith case really whittled that down with regard to free exercise and riffer was an attempt to bring that back
0: but again if the equality
1: act is passed that it pretty much goes away
0: so this this is basically saying that if you're a organization that has any sort of faith-based beliefs for example a church and you believe that there's one man and one you know there are two sexes there's a man and a woman And a man is a man, and a woman is a woman. Biologically, that's what they are. That if you believe that, uh, essentially, you are violating uh, the law in your belief, and that you can then be, you know, whatever fined or whatever. I mean, this is almost like thought control. Uh, It's it. That's. I mean, it it essentially limits our religion to something you have to think, but never act on. It's a direct
1: attack on the biblical worldview. I I don't think there's any question about that. And it goes far beyond a a church's ability to, 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 practice their faith. I mean, this affects basically everything you can imagine in our society. Imagine, um, a man who identifies as a woman walking into a battered woman's shelter. Right, these are women who are being protected because of domestic abuse, and a man who identifies a woman demands access to this same shelter. Well, under the Equality Act, he would have to be given um, access to that shelter for girls' sports—we're all familiar now with what's happening um, with men, biological men, entering girls' sports—the so weightlifting competitions, the mixed martial arts, uh, the track and field—where biological men are just crushing women in every instance. Well, this would, this would integrate that. It, it would. This would embellish uh, that kind of thing throughout women's sports in the United States. It would back, basically do away with women's sports yeah. as we know it today. Um, Private schools and colleges would also have to knuckle under to the provisions of the Equality Act. So if you're like a Hillsdale College, even though you're not receiving federal funding, this would apply to you, right, because you're providing public accommodation. So if you're not willing to hire um, people in the LGBT community or uh, you're not willing to soften your biblical stance on homosexuality or transgenderism, you could be at risk for penalties under the Equality Act.
0: Yeah, and again, for those of you listening, um, if you haven't you know, looked into these sorts of things. These are, these things are happening. Um, I mean, what Mark is referencing, these are, these are things that are actually happening. I'm reading off of Heritage website in Anchorage, Alaska, biological male born Timothy Paul Coyle, um, who goes by Samantha Coyle, tried to gain access to the city's downtown soup kitchen Hope Center, which is a shelter for women. It's a, and so he kept trying to get in there. And so now, in that kind of a circumstance, they'd have to let that in order to continue to get government funding. In California, um, the government was threatening that they tried to pass a law saying that uh, any university that did not adhere to essentially California thought regarding homosexuality and, uh, you know, trans, the transgender ideas um, could lose the ability to have any, student get a loan that actually gets them to the, the school. So for get a student loan, they couldn't even get a student loan. So essentially you're shutting down Christian universities if they don't bow down to uh, this new world worldview. Um, and, and again, you know, I've done quite a few shows on the issue of transgenderism on, uh, you know, is perception more important than reality? If you're wondering where that's coming from, it's the idea <clears throat> that that the human mind is the God, uh, and that anything the human mind perceives is greater than what actually exists. Uh, and so, uh, this is extremely dangerous. Uh, and if you want to set yourself up for persecution and, uh, going down the road to government tyranny, uh, you couldn't do a better job. I mean, that's obviously where this is going. So, so question for you, Mark, you know, um, and, uh, you can you probably are are more aware of this than I am, but the the House has already passed um, HR five uh, overwhelmingly, supported, I believe, by uh, three Republicans or it was all it was almost a party line vote just for okay. a few few uh, votes off. But um, where is this now? Um, it has to go up before the Senate, is that correct?
1: That is correct. And uh, it, it could do that any day um, and a bill of this nature normally uh, would fall under the filibuster rule where it would require 60 votes to win. So that would mean that um, Because there it's about a 50-50 split in the Senate that re- some Republicans would have to come over to pass this bill so that while that may be of some comfort to people um, in our viewing audience it shouldn't be because uh, chuck schumer now is trying to come up with some ways to get around the filibuster and make it just a majority vote and one of those rules and uh, i don't know the particulars of it but it's called rule 14 and if this is exercised that means that the equality act could fall as a provision under budget negotiations so this is kind of like earmarks. You know, you have an omnibus bill and uh, they're throwing the kitchen sink into it. And all these things just kind of land um, in this this big bill. Well, this specific rule, rule 14, allows other provisions to be brought under budget negotiations. And if that happens, then it's only a majority vote. All you need is a, a simple majority, in which case this thing would easily pass the Senate. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we have to look into, look more into this and watch very carefully. But if indeed that's the case, um, anybody can object to this rule being I- implemented in this particular instance. But it requires alert opponents of this bill to be on the on the Senate floor during all um, uh, legislation motions. the next two years until we have the next election to to be ready and waiting for the equality act to come up under uh, under a budget
0: negotiation and say no wait a minute i object to this wow Um, and that's a tall order that is a tall order that means essentially you've got to have uh somebody what is that i mean how often um are these bills brought up is there is this 24 7 is this uh the, during the work day how, how does that work uh, th- this is the thing i mean you know you, everybody's aware of the fact that
1: the, sometimes the senate passes bills um in in the dead of night you yeah. know well after midnight when c-span is off nobody's paying attention and a lot of times that's when these more controversial bills are passed so um Fortunately, the the conservatives in the Senate are very well aware of this tactic, and they are starting to mobilize to yeah, make sure that they have enough mound power to object if this kind of thing yeah, happens.
0: They've essentially got to got to um, put together a schedule and basically say there will never be a time that one of us is not uh, available to listen in and catch that that's exactly and I hate to be the guy that's sitting in there and, and it gets squeaks by you right <laughs> you're in you're in trouble um but uh, Mark it, to a certain extent this seems like this is out of the control of the average person um you know this is this is happening up in, in DC here and and the house has passed it and the Senate is working on it and um, you know here we are uh, just hoping and praying uh, to a large extent. Um, What what do we do on a regular basis in order to, you know, protect a biblical worldview and continue to guarantee the freedoms that we have in this great country, which is which are being whittled away every day, it seems like?
1: Well, I would say the first thing, Kevin, is to storm the throne room of heaven with your with your prayers. If ever there were time for fasting and prayer and to appeal to the very throne room of God, this is it. Um, I don't know that America could ever come back from a bill like this were were it to pass. We're, We're already so far down the road to these onerous kinds of legislation that the country is becoming unrecognizable from what it was even 10, 15 years ago. So uh, God is still in control. He still raises kings and, and, and pulls them down. He, he's still sovereign. So he could, he could change anything. So that would be the first thing. The second thing that I would recommend is faxing your federal senators in whatever state you happen to live in. Here in California, of course, it's Dianne Feinstein and Alex Padillo. And the reason I say fax is because sometimes they don't pay attention to email or they don't answer their phone. But if you fax them, their fax machines are never turned off. Um, OK. <laughs> this, is a, this is a strategy that Matt, uh, Matt Staver likes to use a lot, and I, I think it's a very valid one. So if they are flooded with faxes opposing the Equality Act, you know, hopefully it gets their attention and that the overwhelming opinion of their constituents is we don't want to have anything to do with this. It may give some people cold feet um, who are currently on the fence. I mean, and there's at least one Democrat who um, we think is not gonna vote for this, and that's Joe Manchin in West Virginia. Mm. Um, He's a Democrat, but he tends to be conservative on social issues. So we can hope that uh, he stands fast.
0: And I I believe there's somebody in Arizona also uh, who is a Democrat, but also um, often leans conservative. I can't remember the name offhand, but I've heard that Joe Manchin and this other... Uh, i believe it's a woman but anyway um okay well that makes a lot of sense if you're just tuning in our my guest today is mark schneider and he is the founder of protectourkidsnow.org please check it out check out the resources he's got all kinds of stuff up there that's incredibly helpful and informative when it comes to being able to do battle against uh ideas and values that are contrary to a biblical worldview the bible Mm -hmm. says that we demolish arguments that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. But you can't demolish arguments if you don't know what the arguments are. And so that's critically important to be able to analyze, assess, and evaluate those. And I've had a lot of guests on recently that are talking about these sor- these sorts of things. Um, uh, Sam Sorba was on recently, and she recently wrote a book called Words for Warriors, which is specifically dealing with the fact that we've got to be able to understand the language and the issues in order to make the case for a biblical worldview, and uh, if you don't know anything about the transgender issues, um, you need to look into it. Uh, uh, the evidence for the the damage and the pain that's a result of transgender surgeries and everything that the the hormone blockers that they're trying to push forward is overwhelming. Uh, you know, the the uh, I believe it was the chief psychiatrist at John Hopkins came out a while back before they they uh, canceled him uh, and said, we, we, we made huge mistakes in doing all these transgender surgeries. We never should have done this. Uh, it, it, it was overwhelmingly uh, horrible. You cannot change your gender. You can't do that. And why are we trying to solve a mind problem with a physical solution? And this is what he was talking about, right? Trauma is causing these, these issues and these problems. You need to heal the mind. And so um, Mark, along those same lines, you know, uh, another issue that you're dealing with uh, with Protect Our Kids now is uh, critical race theory. And I was reading your blog on this and um, you wrote you wrote on here, uh, let me quote this, um, you wrote, uh, new threats are making their way to our public schools in the form of critical race theory and historical revisionism. CRT teaches that Western and especially American society is based on systemic racism and and oppression and i I thought this was really interesting what you wrote you wrote historical revisionism teaches that the american republic was founded not upon the truths expressed in the declaration of independence but on the founder's desire to maintain and promote what historical revisionists are calling a slaveocracy and so essentially what they're doing here is um destroying the very foundations of america by saying the whole genesis of the country is evil.
1: Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, CRT would impose a new kind of class warf- warfare in American society. Uh, instead of the uh, bourgeoisie against the proletariat, now it creates categories of racial conflict, pitting Americans against each other. And this, this is very uh, closely associated with what we know as historical revisionism, which is uh, uh, bears on the, the quotation that, that you just read which goes back to a New York Times publication written by Hannah Nicole Jones called The 1619 Project. Mm-hmm. Um, your viewers may be familiar with that, but basically it makes the argument that the United States of America was not founded in 1776 based on the principles and the declaration of independence that all men are created equal, that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. Rather, it was based on the first slave ship that came to America in the year 1619. And from from there, uh, the entire goal of our founders was to establish a society, uh, economics and a political structure that was designed to keep and promote white privilege and white supremacy. And you might think, well, this is mind-numbingly ridiculous. But uh, unfortunately, it's been rolled out in universities. It's in the public schools now, from Buffalo, New York, to Cupertino, California, and beyond. It's being written into textbooks. Children are being indoctrinated with this idea of historical revisionism, and to really see America in a light that uh, would be unrecognizable to mature
0: Americans. Wow. Uh, and so from that perspective, you know, you've you're arguing that if there was ever a time to get out of the public schools, now is the time. And I talked about this with George also, uh, you know, a lot of people are thinking like, hey, we need to rescue the public schools. Even in my own city here, we've got a lot of Christians on the on the school board in, in not everyone in San Di- in the San Diego uh, Unified School District. Not so. But in the Grossmont uh, School District, uh, we have at least three very strong Christians on on the school board, and they're doing their best to protect those the school. Um, but uh, speak to our listeners about your your perspective regarding, you know, what do we do with the public schools? Do we save them? Do we leave them? what What do we do? Well, we would very
1: much like to save them, but I don't think that's realistic in the short term. And by the short term i mean a generation of children in the current public school system so kindergarten through the 12th grade if meaningful change is going to happen it is not going to happen overnight now i grant you uh, we have many public school teachers and um, school board members who are part of protect our kids ministry and we applaud them they are the heroes uh, you know behind the battle lines. Uh, doing the yeoman's work of trying to preserve civilized culture, but it is almost an impossible task on their part. We try to give them all the help we can, but the forces that are rallied against them are simply too great. Um, uh, Two women, Mary Rice Hassan and Teresa Farnan wrote a a well-known book published a number of years ago called Get Out Now. And they studied what's been happening in the public schools extensively. And POK has done the same thing over the last couple of years. And their conclusion was the public schools in the near term are beyond redemption. The only certain way to protect your children against what can only be described as state indoctrination um, is to remove them from the public school system entirely. If you cannot do that, then you should take every pain to get involved with your local school boards, to try and be an activist, to have as much influence as you can, to try to protect your children from these threats. But if you can get them out, you should seriously look into private school or homeschooling.
0: Gotcha, okay. Now, um, and then, so if somebody, uh, you know, is, is, so along these same lines, just recently we had School Choice Week, and um, I think I believe you're an advocate of school choice. Also, is that correct? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so school school choice has been growing. I mean, all over the country, there has been a movement for school choice to grow. Uh, it's kind of in a lot of ways behind the scenes um, compared, not always out in front, and it seems to be bipartisan in the sense that both Democrats and uh, Republicans. Uh, support school choice, depending on the state you're in, Uh, not in every state, not in California, but uh, seems to be the case. Can you speak a little more to the uh, perspective of school choice and what do you, do you see this uh, as a critical issue down the road as we continue to deal with these issues? Absolutely, I mean, in the states, every state that has tried tried
1: school choice, it's been a tremendous success. I mean, the closest thing that we have in California in the public school system are the charter schools. And they have been a wonderful success. I mean, they're they're not governed in the local school district, so they can be somewhat independent. Mm-hmm. Now they do they are required to teach comprehensive sexuality education, but they're not. The law is not enforced as vigorously in charter schools. But the unions have a lockstep in California, as they do in many other states, and they spend tremendous amounts of money, Kevin, as they have in California in the past to defeat every school choice measure that's that that that's been propounded. But again, in the states that have it, like Florida is probably the best example. Performance goes up, grades go up. Um, we don't see these kinds of problems taking the place in the public schools. And fortunately, there is a current initiative that um, Larry Sands and Michael Alexander are promoting. It's called, in fact, it's called the California, you can go to their, their website, californiaschoolchoice.org org and basically the provisions of the bill are that um essentially uh each child is uh, allocated twelve thousand dollars per year for the public school system in california actually more is spent on them per students closer to seventeen thousand dollars but if passed this initiative proposition would give that $12,000 a year as a savings account to every uh, parent of a child in the public education system to use at their discretion. If you wanted to keep your child in the public school system, you could do that and then save that money for a college fund. But if you wanted to use it to pay private school tuition or to help with homeschooling, you could do that as well. So this is a wonderful bill. I encourage your viewers to go look at that website and to actively promote it. But it's gonna take a tremendous amount of uh, influence and money getting behind this bill to push it over the top. And that's one of the reasons why Protect Our Kids' main mission is just to inform parents about what's going on in the school system. Because once they find out, regardless of what, where they land on the political spectrum, they're apoplectic. And they want answers. So the more parents that we can actually train and influence and educate, the better chance we're going to have for a school choice initiative.
0: Boy, that's that's phenomenal. Um, I I'm really excited about this uh, California school of choice. Um, and you said uh, who are the who are the proponents of that bill? Michael Alexander and Larry Sands. They've been involved with school choice
1: initiatives for years.
0: Okay, and um, and you're. In your analysis, um, do you think that this actually has a chance to actually get through? I mean, the the California uh, Congress is overwhelmingly uh, leftist.
1: Uh, this this is why it has to go directly to the voters. Uh, hopefully, it'll, it'll they'll get enough signatures to put it on the ballot in twenty twenty two. But if not, they're going to have to wait another two years because you are right. There's a supermajority of leftists in California and a bill like this would never be passed. Mm.
0: So the only chance it has is to go directly to the people. Okay. And do you know any more about this? Like how many signatures they need to have it on the ballot or anything like that? I think they need at least like well over a million signatures. I'm
1: not sure where they are um, mm-hmm. on that front. Um, they're they're basically a grassroots organization. They're just getting started, so they need all the help they can get. They, you know, we can give them. So if any of your listeners are interested in getting behind this initiative,
0: I would encourage them to go to that website and make themselves available. That's awesome. Uh, my guest today is Mark Schneider. Uh, ProtectOurKidsNow.org. If you want to find out more information about what he's doing and what his ministry is doing, uh, please get involved uh, because we need as many people, like he's saying, as many people as possible uh, to get involved, uh, to be praying hard and then to be, uh, you know, doing things that are actually going to make a difference. And, um, you know, I it, I think sometimes it's discouraging uh, because a lot of times we fight these battles and we think to ourselves, hey, um that was really tough. Now I I want to take a break, but what I'm noticing is is that it doesn't seem like there's going to be any breaks here. It's kind of like uh, we either continue on and uh, continue to to fight regardless, or this these. Issues keep coming up. I mean, the spiritual war is just real, and it doesn't seem to stop. That's right. uh, has that been your experience, also? <laughs> there's, there's no question. I mean, this could get this can
1: get very wearing on yeah. one's psyche, just seeing this stuff all day long. But um, Elie Wiesel, the, the Holocaust survivor, um, wrote that we always need to take sides. Neutrality always helps the oppressor, mm. never the oppressed silence always helps the tormentor never the tormented martin luther king said something similar he said the day we stop speaking out about things that matter is the day we we start dying Mm. so this is no time to stay silent this could be uh, christian's greatest hour if ever there were a time to speak up and to
0: be salt and light in our community today is that day that's fantastic well, Mark, uh, we're just about out of time here, so I really appreciate um, everything you're doing, and uh, I think, you know, I do hear so many people that are getting involved, so I'm very encouraged by that, and um, I see God working despite uh, these difficulties. Um, I always, I always mention that, you know, I I'm a vice principal at a Christian high school, and. Our enrollment is up higher than ever before, <laughs> so we've never had so many students. So we're very thankful for that, but we need to continue to uh, push that. And I think that school school choice, California school choice, um, you know, you know, when we look at this, what's happening with HR5 all the way out in DC, um, that actually started all the way down in the schools. You know, um, right. that was the that was the starting point of these ideas that eventually took root and then developed into. Um, what we're seeing past now and what we're seeing um, be the philosophy in our, in our culture, this idea that there is no truth and that truth is whatever you perceive it to be. Um, I mean, there's even that famous, uh, people quote this all the time. They say perception is reality. I mean, uh, that's that's one of the most unbiblical statements you could ever say. <laughs> so perception is not reality. Um, so uh, anyway, thank you so much for all you're doing. It's been a huge blessing uh, just to have you and George on the on the radio and to hear what you're doing. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Kevin. It's been a pleasure.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so again, that's protectourkidsnow.org. Check that out. My website's educateforlife.org. Tons of resources on there. We've got uh, classes specifically dealing with things like moral relativism and the idea that reality is relative to the individual versus. God's master creation, and we deal with all the, the social cultural issues as well as helping you understand why we know the Bible is the word of God, why we know it's true, and uh, helping you to be able to give good, intelligent, but also loving answers to the people around you um, so that they can come to know the truth of Jesus Christ, and that um, John 10.10, 10, he says, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full, and that's really what this is all about, is that people would know Jesus Christ as their savior and realize how much he loves them and wants what's best for them. So God bless you. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. We'll be back again uh, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be heading out to uh, Nashville, Tennessee next week in order to be with the teach them diligently convention, homeschool convention. I'll be speaking out there as well as being a, a exhibitor and so forth. So pray for me and please pray for Mark Schneider and their ministry. Uh, we really appreciate it. God bless you. We'll see you next time.